0: hey sandra hey sam how's <laughs> it can.
1: um it's a mess of a week because i'm moving and i'm having a lot of things piling up but it's good and it's bad i'm leaving by the 10th episode airs i will be in los angeles I will be with you, Sam. (laughs) Um, I will hopefully have a job. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. And I will probably not have my own place, but maybe on the lookout, maybe saving money with my parents for a bit to kind of situate myself. Still up in the air, you know, like, how that is. But I think it'll be good and there's just a lot of things to look forward to so I hope shit goes well <laughs> you know and there's gonna yes. be a Rina concert that we're going to and I think by the time this comes out yes it might no actually maybe it won't be out yet cause uh, well whatever I'm. we may or may not have heard Rina by the time this episode comes out <laughs> I don't know the timelines <laughs> very well
0: ah uh, yes Uh Rina is like the highlight of my September Besides like Maybe a San Diego trip And maybe like my sister's birthday I mean my sister's birthday is happening regardless But like whether it's a highlight or not Esta por Yeah. No yeah I'm really very excited To have you back Because it's going to be good We're going to go see Rina together As y'all know we stan a queen Also just like the fact that you're going to be back I know you like LA You like being around here but I also know it's going to be a stressful time readjusting to everything, being back at home for more than a weekend versus like, you know, every day for a bit. So it's just it's just going to take a little bit of adjusting. But I'm happy and excited for you to come back just because, you know, you're a good presence to have around because you're just a good person, Sandra. <laughs> you're a good person. and <laughs> Maybe I'm just petty. And yeah, I, I'm doing okay. You know, mean, you're a Libra, it's like, it's a given. (laughs) No, but I'm doing okay. I'm happy that it's fall. I'm happy to be like going back to like just doing work and just chilling. You know, I feel like after coming back from the Bay Area, I felt really like rejuvenated. And then I had my friends here this last weekend. So it was like an affirming time all around. And now I'm like ready to like get shit done because it's that time it's been that time and so yeah i'm doing really well virgo right now season. and i'm super excited for this episode that we're about to yeah virgo virgo did that and we're also having like a bunch of eclipses right now so like if y'all have been having a really like interesting time thinking a lot about things in your life it's probably because of everything happening one in your life and two in the planets <laughs> no yeah like i'm very excited for this interview because um In the spirit of the international pod that we are, we have another international episode for y'all. So in this one, I was able to interview Melissa Vida, who lives in Belgium and has a newsletter, the Central American curator, Sentim Curator. And it's a really dope newsletter that showcases a lot of information happening throughout Central America. And it's a weekly newsletter, so you get all the news that's going on that week and there's also like spotlights or highlights about different cultural events or historical events pictures that are being shared and i think it's such a wonderful thing sandra put me onto it so shout out to sandra for finding the central american curators shout out to melissa for creating it but, yeah, this is a hella dope interview, and I'm so, so excited for Yes,
1: yes. So, Melissa Vida, she's a freelance journalist. She's worked in Mexico, it's Salvador, in Europe. And she will also be relocating to L.A., where she was born, which is cool. We all love an L.A. queen. Yes. <laughs> uh, she yes. loves to report <laughs> on human rights and stories that empower Central Americans around the world. And she created... The newsletter on Central American News called the Centam Curator, you know, because she feels that Central America is not highlighted enough in the media and wants to inform her readers about what's going on in the region. And you can follow her on Twitter at mm-hmm. Melisa Vida. Everything will be in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Also a list of places like this is Central American news, like in Central America type of shit. So Belize, Panama, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Guatemala, Costa Rica, basically what's going on in the seven countries, in the Isthmus, and also what's happening in the United States with migration, and Mexico too, actually. Like, mm-hmm. basically anything that is related to Central Americanness in that region, she like adds the newsletter. And she has featured us before once, which is shout out to you for like featuring us in your newsletter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: And yeah, a list of the recommended recommended news sites that she follows that she thinks is like really good journalism from Central America, Central America will be in the show notes. And mm-hmm. also, newsletters are the shit. I really enjoy newsletters, which is why I put you onto them, Sam. Like, I'm subscribed to at least, like, eight. Yeah. I kind of have, like, an unhealthy obsession with them. I'm, <laughs> there's one that I really like from CityLab. Streets by LA. A lot of transportation and infrastructure ones mm-hmm. because I'm, like, a transportation and infrastructure nerd. The Source, which is the LA Metro one where they update you all on, like, the new bus routes, the subway, the new surveys that you should take, etc., And there's a couple one for California politics that I follow, and Curb LA. Like, (laughs) I follow just a lot of newsletters (laughs) that I should not follow. And then I follow Melissa's, which is like a weekly no clutter (laughs) newsletter that gives me all my good information that I don't always get from either Central American Twitter or the media. Yeah. So shout out to Melissa. This is a really Mm -hmm. dope interview for sure. Y'all talk about things that have been on my mind, like just reading like the news and stuff and i would definitely love to have melissa on for some other topics that have been on my mind and i i would love to have melissa on as a guest host in the future if she's down obviously
0: yes no yeah we connected a lot on like politics and i don't know we have a very international relations background so it's easy for us to talk about things on a macro level and I told you this, Sandra, like, you know, I after my conversation with Melissa, I was thinking about a lot of Central American diaspora movements and Central American identity on a macro level, because I feel like a lot of the work that we see or that is heard about is often on the micro level. But thinking about like the international relations, U.S. involvement, uh, Mexico hegemony and just all these like actors in the central american sphere and how it affects, you know, the literal citizens living there, their day-to-day lives. And so I it just re- like reignited that passion into p- politics for a bit. So shout out to Melissa for this conversation and for this interview. And like you said, I'd definitely be down to have her back, especially now that she's going to be in LA like, you know, it could happen. It
1: could happen. Hopefully if I, she's there. Hey, was good. I hope that it happens. <laughs> So yeah, we really hope you enjoy this interview, yeah. and shout out to Melissa.
0: Welcome back to another installment of Puchica Vos. Uh, today we're doing another interview with part of our interview series with Central Americans in other regions not necessarily associated with Central American hubs. And so today we have a very special guest. Guest, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah, hi. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Alyssa Vida. I'm a freelance journalist. Um, I'm half Salvadoran and half European. I was born in Los Angeles.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. Okay, so um, did you bring, well, no, actually, let's do shits and giggles. So shits and giggles are something that we do on the show. Uh, Shit is something that's bad going on in your life right now. And a giggle is something that's good that's going on right now and that you uh, would want to share. And so,
2: yeah. Uh,
0: what is your shit and giggle?
2: All right, so my giggle would be that I'm planning on moving back to Los Angeles soon in the next few months. Um, so uh, that is a huge, huge, huge thing for me. Um, and I, I can't wait to be back in LA. I mean, I left when I was seven, and I have a, a lot of family there. I've uh, been going back every every year, you know, and, but no, this is a big move. It's something I think I've been dreaming about since I was seven. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah, the second one, hmm, what would it be? I don't know. I've had a pretty pretty chill week. There must be something wrong.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, sometimes you just have a good week, which is something we can celebrate too. <laughs> yeah.
2: I guess, yeah, well, you know, um, oh, yeah, um, I think, I think, I think everything's good now. Something will probably come up later, but, (laughs)
0: yeah. (laughs) Nice. Okay, so, uh, for me, my shit, as I was telling you right now, I'm coming down with a cold, so, that's kind of unfortunate, it's kind of setting things up. But it's the weekend for now, so I'm just going to take this weekend to rest and make sure that I'm good. I knew that it was time. I hadn't gotten sick all year. so This is your time.
2: (laughs) It's your time. time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I'll be okay. It's just, you know, it's a week. It's a whole process. I get it. But I'll be okay. And so I'm just looking at it like that, like, just get through it.
2: Yeah, that's what happened to me last week. And I just, I saw it as a blessing and a curse. I mean, the curse was that I I felt Mm -hmm. I could get nothing done and the blessing was like, yeah, I get to sleep in, stay in bed with a good excuse.
0: Yeah, it's like you actually make the time for yourself again.
2: Yeah, it's a reminder of the body.
0: Okay, so did you bring a song for us this week?
2: I did. And I forgot the artist Um, (laughs) of of the song. Yeah. I ha- That happens a lot with songs, especially the songs that I like the most for some reason um, where I'm still not really following mm-hmm. um, the artist and I just fall in love with one song and then listen to it, listen to it, listen to it. And I just like to have that mystery yeah. <laughs> about sometimes even about its mm-hmm. lyrics or about the artist and get to know kind of their music in a very slow fashion. So.
0: No, yeah. I feel you on that. I think a lot of the times music is just meant to be this whole, like, sensation. So everything you're listening to is just meant to evoke a feeling. And if you can do that, sometimes it doesn't even have to be in a language you understand. It's just a song that you really, really like.
2: Yeah, definitely. So yeah, no, the song I wanted to bring is Awitai Coco from Simon Grossman. His Mm -hmm. name does not sound good in English, I just realized.
0: We oh, cool. let's go ahead and check this All out. Y
1: right. si el papagayo vuela más alto, si poco a poco lo soltando. Así que tranquila mi vida, esto nunca se va a caer Cuando las luces ten apagadas, una velita no cuesta nada. Tus ojos me alumbran la vida, me alumbran el corazón. Aguíte coco para el que la quiera.
2: Juguito de mango si no hay de pedra. Y unos besitos para oscura el corazón.
0: Dosis de amor para las peleas all right cool nice i really like that song i like the whole duality to the the singers and just how they come in for the ending of the song and it just like has this whole like moment mm-hmm. to it how did you hear this song uh,
2: i wish i had a cool story about this but i think it was just spotify who, who, who knows me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I first heard it, I fell in love with it, and it was at the beginning of the summer. I put it on my summer playlist. Yeah, no, the song evokes, you know, as a, as a citizen and as a journalist, we're mm-hmm. confronted to a lot of bad news out there. Mm-hmm. You know, e- with me, sometimes on the field, I talk to people, you know, and I hear their struggles, and I try to understand some kinds, I mean, all the apparent evil in the world, and... Reading the news every day can be mm-hmm. hard. And it's actually something I didn't like doing before becoming, <laughs> becoming a journalist. I was, I was a bit fearful of, of the news and now I'm like, no, I have to embrace yeah. this. You know, I have, to, I have to know what's going on to be able to, to, to be informed and-
0: No, yeah, that actually like ties in to like the, the question that I had for you because um, I was going through some of your work. On June 14, you wrote an article for Global Voices on on the situation going on in Nicaragua. And so how there's like all these journalists that are being oppressed and silenced by the Ortega administration. And so I wanna ask you, you know, like you already spoke about it a little bit in this day and age where free speech is being threatened by our governments. How important do you think the work of journalism is and the power that it has also?
2: We're living in a golden age for journalism at the same time that it is threatened mm-hmm. thanks to show suit to to social media and mm-hmm. in places like nicaragua and other places in central america or you know mexico social media is so huge right now and i don't think we really realize mm-hmm. how important the media is where everyone can participate, and where journalists can go on there, express you know sometimes their opinions that are based on facts, and find other people, find sources, find colleagues, and create collaborative network work mm-hmm. to be to be able to inform. Uh, well, first of course to gather information from their sources, and then be able to to spread that knowledge without depending on mainstream media, which is oftentimes. I mean, there's always some kind of influence. In mainstream media, but it's true that in in countries where where the institutions are, are vulnerable, like Nicaragua, mm-hmm. I mean, I've been reading, I've been reading some mainstream Nicaraguan news lately, and you know, mm-hmm. they're talking about every other country except theirs. Like they're freaking reporting on on Russia, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and <Yeah. laughs> I find news about the whole world except themselves um, on main, on mainstream Nicaraguan uh, news. Social media and radio stations, local radio stations very important as well. Um, really give that voice um, to locals and and to journalists to 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 actually continue their work without depending on these big structures that we had before and that are, that are still there, but you know people are realizing that it, that there are other ways of informing of informing themselves.
0: No, yeah, I think that's really valuable you know we don't have to necessarily be dependent on these structures when these structures aren't necessarily even reporting the news of their own communities
2: yeah no uh no i was going to say that we have to be critical about it because of course in the u.s there's basically president trump trying trying to do the same thing mm-hmm. well, no in the sense that he is saying that mainstream mainstream news media is bad where in the Whereas in the U.S., the mainstream media is not that influenced, uh, is not that tied to the government as it is in other countries of the world. And so he's playing on that as well, as if the situation in the United States, well, the media landscape in the United States is somehow the same as, uh, you know, Nicaragua. Yeah. Or even Panama.
0: Yeah, like he really attacks the media in a way that is just like, you know, to, I guess, keep the guilt away from him and like see that like, oh, I'm not such a bad guy when it's like no you you really are you know (laughs) and so also like i think we should have stated this earlier but you have a newsletter
2: i do i do have a newsletter
0: sent time curator and it's a really dope newsletter y'all should get into it and i was like looking through it and i i guess i was just wondering you know like what inspired you to create a newsletter you said there's social media out there so like why a newsletter versus like a twitter account or like versus other things why did you like choose a newsletter to be the ah. yeah that's what i'm curious about i'm like a newsletter is yeah, really cool question. but like <laughs> why <laughs> it's a little fashion.
2: okay yeah um about twitter <laughs> no i love twitter mm-hmm. i love twitter you know i get a lot of information from twitter and get to meet really cool people mm-hmm. through it and, and it's really amazing but personally um i, I tend to get overwhelmed by well, there's two things. I, I get overwhelmed by so much information uh, coming from Twitter. And at the same time, I want to highlight some information and I just don't feel satisfied when I just tweet something. Mm. So if I want to share awesome work by a colleague or I want to share news, um, I just felt that I tweeted it. Okay, got a few likes and then boom, that's it. It's like, okay, forgotten. Next thing. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm kind of, a, a, of an organizer and I want to help people follow news from Central America because yeah. I guess it can be hard when, you know, when you're not really following it every day or closely. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to help people just, you know, stay informed and also highlight the work of my peers as well. So that's one one reason. And the other one, well, I started thinking about something like this was actually back in June when, you know, the United States was going through this, quote unquote, migration crisis, you know, families separated and we cannot do anything mm-hmm. about it, kind of, yeah. <laughs> kind of retort. Um, yeah. And I felt that people did not understand at all Central America, you know, when when I was hearing people are like, yeah. like, why, you know, so responsible from parents, you know, to bring their kids. And, and I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. all right. Like there is so much to know about the region and it's different, different mm-hmm. sociopolitical context. And we don't really understand the context of where these migrants are coming from, you know, and, and it was yeah. very, just very simple. It's like, Oh, they're fleeing, you know, gangs and boom, that's it. Like as if people can understand what that really means. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I just wanted like to, to, to help be part of that movement that I found also on Central American Twitter, you know, of, um, of of highlighting yeah. the region, um, you know, and informing people what's uh, what's happening, um, without it only appearing in the news when there is quote unquote crisis, um, or yeah. whenever you know, you know President Trump talks about Ms. Thirteen you know, as being animals, I and mean, oh, okay, everyone, then I guess people are, like, Googling MS-13 El Salvador or something, and that's that's basically it. Yeah. But, I mean, I've, I, you know, I'm a political scientist by training, and so I, I, I focus heavily on politics, and I know that um, there's a lot more to the region as well, and I've been getting feedback as well, as well, you know, from people who, who like politics and also want to see, like, more, more cultural news and stuff, so I'll try to in the future be a bit more balanced really like portray <laughs> i guess a comprehensive picture of the region
0: yeah i get you i'm also a political scientist so your newsletter really speaks to me especially the the whole issue that you did related to mm-hmm. migration and how um, there was all this news going on about migration and you know you kind of spoke a bit about it but i think it's important to highlight that you know when president trump speaks about ms-13 he knows to single out like Central American, you know, the the, the picture that he okay. wants to create, you know, the, the fear-mongering that he wants to do, and media will focus on MS-13 solely, but it's just like they're not addressing the socio-political context of, you know, Central American countries, and you know, U.S. intervention a few decades ago and how that still has repercussions that are felt today. All of these things that, you know, we should be addressing, but we should be looking at it historically and, you know, contextualizing all of these countries. We don't get that from the media. So I think it's very important when, like, newsletters like yours come out. Well, here's actual factual news of Mm -hmm. everything that's going on in Central America. And so I think the work that you do is very valuable in that sense, just because we don't see any of it. All we see is, you know, the the response to President Trump's attacks. And so I'm curious, how do you go about finding your sources?
2: Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Well, (laughs) uh, I'm a news geek, so... No, I, I, I try, I'm trying different methods, actually. Um, so I'm a big newsletter fan myself, but actually I started you know to, to be comprehensive in, in my sources. I, I basically signed up for every newsletter out there, and this is not manageable for me right now. <laughs> so what I do um, now, I do two things. Let's say that I save a couple hours every day, and I have mm-hmm. an RSS account where I can basically sign up for different um, news uh, outlets from the region, and I check it a couple hours every day, and I s- and basically, it's really easy. You know, RSS, yeah. it's just like, they see everything that uh, news outlets put out, and I divided it by every country, you know? So I go yeah. country, and I, and I look at the news from, I don't know, the last three days. And then, you know, I save the links. Um, So that's one way to do it. Like, that's more for my hard news section, which is the, the, the headlines. And then the other thing is I'm on Twitter and I see what my peers have written and what they recommend reading as well. And so this I find more i guess for the goodreads Goodreads section, and this is like more like throughout the week on a rolling basis you know and this is something i yeah I, i've done I've, i was doing before of course but i really try to to represent different kinds of topics and voices and um
0: no yeah i was very curious about that because there's this whole like bunch of data collection that goes into it so i was just like is there a database of sorts or like how is she finding all of these sources because this is really dope and so I I was very curious about that. And so I'm also curious about, you know, some of the attitudes that, you know, Central American writers from Central America have on some mm-hmm. of these issues. So in your latest newsletter there uh, I believe it was Costa Rica that's going to start looking at like femicide and like the increasing rates of like gender-based violence in Costa Rica. Yeah. And so I was yeah. curious if you've noticed any kind of like attitudes that some writers have about these topics that are very, you know, sensitive to some folks.
2: Huh. Well, feminist side, I think oh, this is a big topic. Yeah. Well, to be honest, it's true that the opinions uh, I read and follow are more on the progressive side. Yeah. I don't know of really, maybe if I turn on the TV, like Costa Rican TV, I would see more conservative opinions and I would, I would love to, to get to know, I mean, to get to know that so I can you know, understand that better but or else in written news media is usually more progressive and so yeah i mean people are uh, applauding these kinds of measures Uh, on the other hand femicides is really closely linked to controlling women in the sense that uh, central america well latin america in general is is a region where the blame is heavily put on women for what happens Mm -hmm. to them there were facts actually about this and I, i shared a few on a previous addition of the newsletter because there's a little fact section or survey section in there. I think in El Salvador, like 95, 87% or 95% of young men between 15, 19 years old think that whatever happens to women aggression wise is their fault, depending on how they're dressed. So you know, so you know, those opinions are out there. <laughs> you just yeah. and, and you know about it when when you talk to people. I don't know, because you know, even like my mom sometimes thinks that way, and of course, she doesn't mean it in a bad way, but it's just things that you know take take time to to change that kind of mentality of you know it's your fo- you know men cannot control themselves. Um, so um, so there's, there 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 are these two things, and but I think I really do think um, that uh, policy wise, it's a good signal that these policies are being put in place for the population to maybe themselves the part of the population that thinks these macho thoughts make them maybe perhaps think otherwise like okay you know there's these programs maybe it's not normal that there are these sexual aggressions against women even though the 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 girl was drinking on on a beach alone you know that kind of
0: like anyone should be able to do that type of thing regardless of their gender and I don't know. I think it's, like, very interesting that, like, it becomes a normalized culture. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, the media that is being shown. So that's why I was very curious. I'm like, how prevalent are, like, these machista or patriarchal ideas in the things that you're reading? Because I feel like you're reading more things Mm -hmm. about Central America than, you know, your average person. So how often do you see that little, like, maybe not overt... Attitudes, but like implicit attitudes, because I mean, this is this is breaking news for Costa Rica and like other countries. So like, I'm very curious about you know, there's op eds or like. Huh? I, I need to find them. <laughs> just...
2: I mean, yeah, no, yeah, so, yeah. Usually, usually, this kind of stuff, <laughs> I would find it on like I don't know the the local Fox News or something. But hmm. um, um, and, and I don't really. Yeah. I haven't found them or haven't watched them.
0: I mean, tying into that, do you think you find it? Does do you find it difficult to find top like articles? Oh, on yeah. Topics that yeah, be is... considered taboo or like that maybe <laughs> is like, very <laughs> Yeah,
2: you know, to really follow <laughs> Central American news, you actually should read news from every country because i find news on nicaragua from you know yeah. honduras you know news on honduras from el salvador and they're all kind of like pointing yeah. fingers at each other and i cannot <laughs> it, it, i swear i cannot find yeah. the relevant news from their own uh, media so that is really funny well, funny, you know what I mean. So there's that. And of course, you know, to save time, I do this research mainly on, on what I can find on my RSS feeds. So there are more mainstream or at least big uh, names out there. Yeah. Like there are some independent media that have that RSS app so I can access them through, through this method. There are others I cannot, so I do go on independent news websites from time to time to check out what they're doing. Uh, from Honduras, you know, Contra, contra Corrientes. Yeah, that one. Yeah. There's another one. Like, there are a few out there in Central America that are really good, and it's more like uh, analytical and, and investigative journalism. Of course, they're covering different aspects, you know, and corruption uh, that you cannot really find or very briefly on, on mainstream media. And also the work of NGOs, and I, wa- I do want to inclu- include them a little bit more, uh, local associations. For example, uh, last yes. week, human and land rights defender in El Salvador was murdered. We don't know if the causes of her murder are directly linked to her work as an activist and as a woman, per se, yeah. it makes you more vulnerable in these, in these spaces. I did not find anything on, on mainstream media about this. In El Salvador boasts that it has like the best uh, journalism in, in Central America, but this time I was i was i was disappointed mm-hmm. so yeah. and this is the kind of news that i find on twitter thanks to social media so go <laughs> closing that loop so thankfully you know I can find this information retweeted yeah. you know by uh by by colleagues and by uh and by associations on the ground that are reporting this and it's not picked up by, by by national media
0: yeah i'm actually reading about that right now it was dina puente from Japan she was Murdered by firearms. So, like, there should be a total investigation about this. You know, there should be, you know, the Policia Nacional Civil should be like looking into this and, and then it, it should be leading to some kind of news outlet. You know, there should be talk about this, especially when she was such a like, you know, a outspoken like activist and organizer.
2: Yeah, yeah now they're so, hushing
0: it up. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very sus. So, I think it's like interesting that you're able to like notice certain trends like that because like. For other folks who just get their news through, like, one source or who may, maybe don't look into things like this, they just get the, the fact that she died, you know, and it's just like, oh, you know, RIP, which is valid. But we don't see the whole, like, hey, we should be investigating this. We should be looking into why they aren't talking about it as much. Exactly.
2: Exactly. Exactly. No, you're very right. And at the same time, for clickbait, I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, n- news organizations put horrible s- stories, but from other countries. And I'm like, come on, people! <laughs> don't you have like, you know, I'm I'm talking about like horrendous murders that happen, I don't know, in Russia or in Bolivia or something, you know, that have nothing to do with like politics or socio issues. I mean, uh, sociopolitical issues. You know, okay, it's really like these one case horrible family disasters basically okay so they put that there and instead of using uh the time and space and people's mental energy for such important news that are related to their country yeah so it is it is Um, it is mentally exhausting sometimes to go through all of this because yeah i mean
0: no yeah that's what i was thinking too it's just like you know oftentimes it's just really gruesome news that's being put out there it is, and yeah. how do you, how do you you know like navigate that like how do you feel that you are able to take a break from that when it becomes too much or how do you feel that you put that you know energy into your work also do you feel like a stronger resolve because you see all of this news
2: so we're going to go back and listen to Awita Kokko
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> It is it is my therapy um to you know zoom out and think of of all the good that I mean that's out there, I spend time with with close friends and, and family. Very, very important. Although I'm a bit of a workaholic, yeah. so I need like some time to switch off. But um <laughs> so there's that. And although my plan is to continue traveling mm-hmm. and, and doing work in Central America, I think the reason why I can do this is also because I don't live there. <clears throat> because it is it is I mean the situation can be stressful um, for for communicators in in the region, you know, and so it allows me to to be a bit more objective and less emotionally tied. Although I, I am, I mean, I try not to be too emotionally tied to these news. But if I, I don't know. I remember I was kind of like you know fall, I was in El Salvador earlier this year and I was following mm-hmm. the news every day. And you know, when you hear about all these murders. And, you know, happening, I was like, oh, okay, oh, I was there yesterday and, you know, someone, they found someone this morning, like, a dead body, okay. Like, yeah. hey. mm-hmm. um, so it, it can take a toll on your emotional and psychological health, reading about all this, and yeah. then you become, you know, a little bit paranoid. Um, and it, it, I think it can, it, it can, at least for me hinder my my work and my intellectual capabilities let's say and Mm, so I would love to yeah I I want to continue working with the region and and go back but I just really need that mental space to clear things up and take a step back and analyze it yeah
0: I feel that and I think you do that through your work also because it's just you know you're putting other information out there you know you are you're being very impartial about your work that you do Like, so you talk about, like, the good and the bad going on in these countries and about, like, hopeful aspirations for these countries also. So on this week, you know, you made a couple of mentions of how El Salvador is going to, you know, free trade zone with special concessions with China and, like, how I think it was Belize
2: yeah
0: the Taiwanese president visited and so like you know there's all of these really like cool interactions going on I don't know if you did much of international relations in poli-sci yeah but I am very very (laughs) intrigued yeah cool okay so I'm just like whoo this is really really cool and this is really interesting that this is happening and so I'm very interested in like what do you think or what have you read or what do you see about like interactions with like the like Pacific zone and like or East Asia with Central America.
2: Well, I mean, this is not new, right? Yeah, no, Ta- yeah. Taiwan,
0: no.
2: <laughs> Taiwan has has played a huge role in in the region for good and bad, and it has invested a lot in the region. And sometimes this investment went in the hands of local politicians. And and Taiwan was hoping to keep a control on the region, so for its own kind of international survival and to have some. Okay, basically, Taiwan is not recognized by every country in the world. Uh, it is under occupation. Well, according to Taiwan, it is under, under occupation by China. And it yeah. it wants international support in recognizing it as its own country with so- sovereignty and, and everything that, that ensues. And so it's been yeah. playing a huge diplomatic role uh, on the region for, for years now, investing in projects. I mean, when you go to... Okay, so I've traveled more to Salvador than to other countries. So I'm sorry, like I talk more about... <laughs> About this country in particular but you know when you when you're in san salvador and you see like official buildings you know they have the huge stamp of you know this building was uh built with support of taiwan and all that like okay wow okay so yeah they're really invested in these countries which may sound a bit a bit strange actually to someone who just like finds out about this
0: doesn't know much yeah
2: and so this was like they've been giving the support kind of an exchange of the of central american countries the diplomatic support um the thing is china well the china we all know of like hong kong hong kong china Mm. beijing they have more money all right it's a huge 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 economic power and so lately they've been uh central america for you know resources and perhaps a geopolitical localization with regards to united states and united states is pretty much freaking out right now <laughs> because they they fear like China, <laughs> they, yeah they, yeah they fear your chinese economic power in central america and military uh, ties with central america and basically kind of like the united states has like these cold War nightmares and, and, uh, <laughs> and thinking you know that China's at their doorstep. and so yeah no China, this is actually more recent. I may be wrong on this, but this is the impression I have uh, that in the past few years China has been investing well trying to invest more. In Central America, for example, um, there was a huge scandal. Also, for some people um, in in Nicaragua, uh, about China investing heavily in the region to, I think, build a canal there. And now in El Salvador, you know, El Salvador is thinking about maybe creating a free trade zone that would be. Kind of exclusive for Chinese companies and giving them it would basically almost be Chinese soil in El Salvador. <laughs> so and this is this poses a lot of questions about international intervention in the country and how much power you want to give to a huge economic power like China. And okay, I get it. I mean, you want to like diverse your your business partners, but you know not be only so reliant on the United States, for example. But does it mean giving that up to to China? So I think there's all this debate going on right now in the
0: the region yeah it's like who do we recognize how far do we give them this power and just there's a lot of like nuance to it all that you know it's really daunting to look at just because it's so interesting but at the same time it's like you know these are all regions that are kind of dependent on each other and their relations could really change depending on who is investing and who is being recognized and so I don't know.
2: And there also, there's also not much of this in the in in, in the news. Yeah, you know, China really plays the uh, in the dark. So, <laughs> um, and I mean, it's not only Central America. I mean, you know, they're they're investing heavily, in basically every country of this global South, you know, North Africa yeah. and you know South America. And now they're finding out about Central America and. And, you know, our countries are particularly vulnerable to international intervention. Yeah.
0: Okay, so um, going back to your newsletter a bit, where do you see the newsletter going in the future? Or what are your hopes for it? Or what do you want to see it become? You know, like, where do you see yourself taking it? Or just, you know, what, what do you see for it?
2: So there are two things here. First is really, I just very boringly want to continue what i do and hopefully touch more people um so they see value in following what's happening in the region you know the first step is is to be is just to inform yourself about the region if you care about its people if you care about its migrants if you care about just you know the global south maybe and you know, then having like more an international point of view, it's so important to 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 stay informed because I think then you are empowered to do a lot of other things depending on your interests. You know, maybe you know cultural, maybe political, uh, maybe on, more on the activist side, or you know just caring. Maybe you know you have family there and just you know caring for what's happening in in, in the region and just you know calling calling your family there. I don't know. There's just so many ways we we can yeah. be we can be active. So there's that really like. Engaging with the readers and and growing that platform. Um, there's another part of me who, who gets a bit wild and you know and starts like thinking of <laughs> oh my god you know this can become like a, a media or <laughs> of course <laughs> you know or a newsletter yeah well news outlet have some, some kind of news and Central yeah. American news outlet because there are news outlets out there that are focused on the whole region but it's usually for business. And there's nothing political or, or cultural and are reporting on. And as we mentioned earlier, it may be interesting to see maybe good for the whole region to know actually, first of all, what's happening in their country, because as we said before, like yeah, other reports
0: from, to, from other
2: yeah, countries like do better reporting and
0: underreporting yeah. <laughs> <own> stuff. Yeah.
2: <laughs> exactly. And I feel like I think you know, Central Americans, you know, can can join forces um, in order to I'm not thinking of you know like going back and you know having the big Central American country and whatnot, but you know seeing across the border a bit and yeah, and, and and continuing that to grow that Central American identity because I think that once more people are around a common goal, even though that goal is to you know just to inform yourself, uh, you know, as a first step, can change yeah. things.
0: no, yeah. Um, I think that staying informed is a very important part of you know just starting the process and so i think one of the big parts of you know being able to get involved is the availability of central american stories or narratives or works being put out there and so one trend that i've noticed with all of this you know migration crisis going on or like border crisis really in the united states is that there has been this like you know huge awakening of sorts of like, you know, large media outlets saying, okay, well, we got to focus on Central American stories now. And so I'm curious about, you know, you as a writer, someone who's been doing this for a while, as a journalist, you know, like, how do you feel about these large outlets finally reaching out?
2: Double edged sword. The thing is, some some actually main American mainstream media has been reaching out and has been doing great work. And honestly, CNN has been doing really good work. And I'm really happy doing like deep investigative work, which you know, uh, in partnership with with local media, um, you know, they've been uncovering a lot of dirty yeah. stuff uh, with regards to U.S. investments, and you know, and the, and the police in Salvador, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's really good. Other teams have been sending people to to Central America. I do think I do think it's good and of but you know as a, as as I usually say, um we only hear about it during the crisis and you know it's it's new so they are going to focus on it when there is an emotional turmoil. But you know they do it because people in the United States have shown interest in it. Mm. So if people show interest in it and the streets, on social media, it's like, hey, you know, what's, what's happening here? Where are these people coming from? And in and, and growing that interest, then news uh, agencies uh, do that work. And so it comes from a demand point of view as well. So, yeah, citizens have kind of a say in what, in what news outlets offer especially mainstream media ones, you know, who really depends on, well, every media depends on the clicks, but they're like the whole business model depends on, on clicks and, and, and ratings on TV. Yeah, I'm also a citizen. So, you know, as citizens, we do have a role to play in what stories you want to see. I, I wish they would partner up more maybe with, with local news organizations because, you know, and not come there. And then like, so like, hey, so I don't know, you could go to Honduras and like, go sell what's the problem here Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I like, out of the blue no 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 like do your research and no and uh
0: to and <laughs> partner
2: with partner with local journalists and please 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 give credit to local journalists you know they're they're doing such hard work yeah um and you know their lives are on the front line many times um in central america and so i feel like foreign journalists arrive and they kind of they do good work but they take all the glory and all the prizes as well am I getting off topic here at no, all no. I think <laughs> it's
0: very interesting just because like increasing interest in all of these narratives and stories but it's like who is the one sharing this and who is the one being celebrated for it and who should we be celebrating for it who is actually putting their life exactly. out there and risking persecution or in some cases kidnap and torturing you know it's just exactly who is willing to do that yeah, yeah.
2: We never hear about the fixer. So fixer are people, journalists usually on the ground who help foreign journalists get their story out. And I worked a bit as a fixer actually in El Salvador and it was bittersweet, you know, because I did a lot. I did a lot of work and it was really well paid like crazy uh, for the region. I mean, I could pay like Mm -hmm. (laughs) a whole rent for uh, for, for one day of work, which was pretty crazy but no you know no credit and I can only imagine how it is for for local journalists who are there doing the work every day and then you know a big a big name pops up and and they don't see their name mentioned in 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 the paper and you know there's no official relationship going on I think that's really something uh American news media who want to focus more on the region should be considering
0: cognizant of when they go in no yeah that's definitely true moving a bit back to the central american twitter topic that we talked about a bit what are some of your favorite conversations that have come out of central Mm -hmm. american twitter and how do you use those conversations as you mentioned to like frame some of the topics in your newsletter or like that pique your interest and that you want other folks to like go check out or hear about you know how does central american twitter influence either you know your google searches or your rss searches versus like the final product of your newsletter you know i'm curious about what nods you make to or references you make yeah. to central american twitter <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> central american twitter is a huge huge, huge thing um it's really funny because i actually like started reporting on central Ooh. american twitter and now i'm really using like uh, on the platform <laughs> and yeah uh. So, yeah, a couple of things, Central American Twitter really more focuses on the diaspora of Central Americans in the United States, you know, whether it be first or second generation. Um, So the conversations are more U.S. based which I don't really focus too much, but are really important as well to have. I think they're complementary, especially with, especially when with regards to decolonizing yes. our way of thinking. I think that is a huge, I think they're bringing onto the table. So yeah, that one is a big one actually. Um, it helped me like move forward also with my own thinking, you know, sharing, okay, this is like the <laughs> side, but you know, sharing uh, books, sharing academic research that's out there is so good. and I'm so proud of the community. Like, you know, being all yeah. smart. <laughs> but <laughs> that is very encouraging. So that I really love. Um there's also yeah, all the co- all the cultural topics as well, you know, they're pretty more lighthearted and funny and that's that's really cool mm-hmm. too. There's another huge way Central American Twitter influenced me uh, with this newsletter is trying to be as comprehensive as possible with the, the countries that I cover. I have done reporting on uh, El Salvador, Honduras and Nicaragua. And so I do feel like I know these countries a little bit better. Yeah. And I know, like I generally know less about all the other Central American countries. and and I'm also doing this work myself to inform myself on what's happening in these countries yeah. politically and and socially. And I think they're really encouraging me to do that work and broaden my own horizon and not stick to to what I know.
0: Oh yeah, that's definitely true. I feel like Central American Twitter has definitely helped me just gain a lot more exposure to, you know, sources of Central American news. And so just being able to like actually hear about Things that are happening politically or culturally or like movements across the country that you know are historical just to see that is just amazing and i'm so happy that central american twitter provides that sort of space for both of us and also helps influence your work because it's just like i said your work is very important and for folks to actually get their news and know that there's news out there is a big deal a lot of people just don't know because they they can't find sources And so I think part of our role as like people in Central American Twitter is to make these sources as available as possible.
2: Man, yeah, Central American Twitter has influenced so much actually in real life projects in ways that I don't think we can comprehend. Because I I didn't really realize this until I, I I mean, it took a while to see where this inspiration for the newsletter came from. Yeah. And I think this online platform played a role in this and you know but you don't realize it at first and i think it happens with a lot of projects that you know people out there are, are are doing and i think that's really cool
0: yeah i feel you on that so also you made another little mention this is like a bit of really exciting news so you're joining the Central American Empowerment Network
2: I am yep 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 really excited Mm. about that so that's like i I was thinking about actually that (laughs) that platform as well and i thought that was also inspired by these digital spaces
0: (laughs) nice so congratulations that's super big thank
2: you thank you thank you yeah we're gonna do cool stuff
0: i'm really excited about it nice can you talk about a bit about it just for folks who may not know too much about the central american empowerment network
2: sure 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 so Uh, We're still in our uh, formation phase, but what we want to do, and it's probably going to take a a huge, big, big direction from here. But it really got first inspired by, you know, just connecting people, (laughs) connecting people digitally, face to face for all kinds of projects, you know, creative projects, business projects, and really help encourage that Central American, those Central American networks, basically. And so mm-hmm. you can see, like, kind of like this evolving out of the digital space and other spaces, and really like becoming cemented and <laughs> in life, right? So it can, it can be really like more permanent, I guess. So that's where we're starting with, and may it may take you know different different forms in the future. And so what we want to do now is you know really just work for the community, share relevant uh, events. Uh, maybe perhaps organize events in the future, putting people in, in, in touch with, with with each other. Um, showcase. So this is going to be more like my job um, as a, as an editor uh, for for them. So that's so that's what I'll be doing. Uh, showcase Central American talents, you know, and emerging writers, uh, maybe journalists uh, yeah. out there, uh, and other kinds of creative folks. So so that's going to be like my little part. Um, of a, yeah of a Central American apartment Network so yeah
0: nice and that's what's bringing you back to LA right a lot huh. of things are bringing no. you back it's a lot of things <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna get into that. LA <laughs> is like that LA will do that to people <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah no, I have a nephew there as well and family uh-huh. and yeah I want to be close to them <laughs> so there's also yeah there's several several reasons out there but yeah <laughs> I do want to be close Yeah, I also do want to be close to, you know, uh, to Central American folks out there, associations, and see what's going on and what's cooking. So I'm really excited for that. So
0: one thing that we didn't tell our listeners, but I think we should, (laughs) is that there's a considerable time difference between us. (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm very curious because you're in Brussels, right? Yeah. So... How is your Central American experience there? You know, versus like you said, you grew up in LA, lived here till you were seven, mm-hmm. and then have you just always lived in Europe since? I mean, you've obviously kind gone of. to El Salvador a few times.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, I grew up here. Mm-hmm. You know, as as I mentioned earlier, my dad is Belgian, mm-hmm. um, and you know, he he met my mom in LA and in the eighties, different kind of migrants. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, born there, came here, and that was a big, big shock because I. Uh, felt I was kind of uprooted from, from family and from, you know, Central American communities. I was, it, of course, as a child, you don't think about a community, but looking back on it now, it was. Uh, I studied here and I worked here for a bit and then basically became, um, I wanted to to know Latin America uh, a little bit more. And so that's why me, my fiance and our two cats actually left for Mexico um, last year. And that's where I started, you know, my, my, my journalist uh, career in Mexico and then traveled to El Salvador and all the four of us and it was really really intense but um, yeah so uh, Central American experience in Brussels well that should be telling the fact that I just like quit my job and just like went to Latin America and just, like, <laughs> basically that trip we organized it like four months it's like really crazy <laughs> this is funny growing up there were I was only like La- La- I mean Latina anywhere like not even talking about Central American I was like the only Latina um, and, you know um, around, I, and, around yeah. and I couldn't speak French at first and it was pretty hard and then growing up I mean I, I started to know uh, some South Americans so that um, there are there are some community South American communities Peruvian, um, Colombian, Ecuadorian you know got a little bit in touch with them but yeah no 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 Central American anywhere <laughs> And I actually really <laughs> wasn't really thinking about it, you know. Like my expectations were really low. Like I was just, <laughs> I was just happy listening to like a song in, in Spanish on the radio Spanish, or once yeah. or something. Or when you know when the reggaeton hit, I was like, oh my god, this <laughs> is really cool to hear. Like Daddy Yankee, you know, the, mo- the most mainstream singer ever in, uh, in Belgium. Now there are a little bit more um, Hondurans and, and Salvadorans refugees actually coming mm. in. Uh, because they know how hard it is to get to the U.S. Um, So there are a lot of them arriving in Belgium right now, actually. And I know it sounds a bit strange, like, why Belgium? I don't know either.
0: (laughs) That's very interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah, check some figures. Um, They're actually the highest number of uh, Central American refugees are right now uh, asking asylum in Spain. Okay, understandable. Italy and Belgium, third place. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: That's hella interesting. I work in immigration. So um, we have a client who relocated to Madrid and is now seeking, like, you know, a visa to enter the United States through Madrid rather than through El Salvador. Hmm. And so, yeah, it's very interesting because I was the one to, like, do the whole switch for this person. Yeah. But I was just like, huh. Cause they're, like, total resident in Spain now. So I'm just like, huh. You got, you know, your Spanish. Yeah. Papers, you got yeah. your Spanish documents going on, and I'm like, and now you're coming to the U.S. So interesting, because I'm that just like, what kind of different life are you living <laughs> in Spain? And now you're gonna come to the U.S. Like I've lived here all my life, so I'm kind of like, oh, you're coming here? <laughs> like <laughs> we're not that great, y'all. <laughs> but <laughs> I guess yeah, and this
2: person. Has but family, no, that's really
0: dope. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, they definitely do. But I'm just like, wow, that's super dope. That like. Well, I mean, it sucks that, like, there are certain conditions that are forcing people out of these countries, obviously. But I think it's very interesting that far reaches of the world that most people don't necessarily associate with Central Americans are having these communities growing.
2: Yes. If you look at, like, deep in data, like, statistical, boring government data, you find (laughs) Central Americans in Iceland, you know, (laughs) there are, like, a lot of them, apparently, I mean, a lot of them, everything well, is relative of course you know but you know some of them are going to iceland and their asylum cases are accepted in iceland and in belgium huge acceptance rate so i think you know the, the word is getting out for communities in, in in central america so yeah no they're they're everywhere <laughs> their every- <laughs> 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 communities forming everywhere yes, it's really are. interesting to see how that how that evolves
0: yeah i'm hella excited to see what the future of central america will hold just because few decades have shown that nothing good has come just yet. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of movements that will that can ensure good things to happen. So I'm hoping that these movements get the the recognition, the the platform to truly make that change. Yeah. And I feel like through work of journalists and the media we get that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally right. It's a it's a teamwork really. Journalists we play our role. Even like international journalists play their role. Local journalists play their role. Um, activists play their role. Local politicians play their role. Should be playing better their role. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: international politicians also play their role by by diplomatic pressure.
0: It's a very different. You know, international BL, communities.
2: But... How to forget them? You know, they you know do play their role as well. And this is something I've been okay. A little bit. I'm, I'm afraid of going too much a bit off topic. But you know, I've been reading how usually it's you know elites from the world that are connected so let's say you know i'm finally with uh, american elite and you know they meet and create business deals and you know go golfing together or whatever but (laughs) but you know um we should really also focus or you know think about ways of creating all kinds of links between the population from both countries and transnational projects that don't depend on elites so I'm thinking, of course, like, like, international community support for the people of Nicaragua, for example, through through social yeah. media, or through events. Uh, I do think uh, all this international ways of connecting uh, is is valuable as well.
0: Okay, so I think that was all the questions that I had for you, Melissa. I was wondering if you had any questions for the podcast.
2: Where do you see uh, Puchikawas go in the future?
0: Well right now i feel that the the podcast is moving up in terms of folks we're bringing on like i mean shout out to you you're in belgium <laughs> and you were so willing to do this so i'm just like yo sure. we've got someone from belgium on the podcast <laughs> like that is huge in my opinion and so i'm very excited to keep doing this Where just like we meet really amazing individuals who do incredible work for the community and who are so down to take the time to talk about their work and what they want for the community and what they see of value in Mm -hmm. the community. And so I think what I want the podcast to do more than anything is just to highlight these amazing individuals and to kind of become, you know, like another archive of sorts of just like amazing contemporaries that we've been around and just all the work that they do yeah. and you know revisiting these people and like seeing how much they've grown from that moment that we've talked to them and like where their path has gone from that so that's what i want the podcast to become at least for me is just like a place to reflect of like holy shit this community is growing and they are so dope and they're, they started out doing really amazing things and look at them now like they're doing yeah. even more
2: I feel very honored to be part of that group, though. So thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, thank you so much for being willing. Like, I am still shook. I I just didn't expect to ever be an international pod like that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I never thought being in Belgium because we see like a, no, a positive thing. No, it definitely is. <laughs> it absolutely is. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so when we wrap up episodes, we usually like to do a despedida, which is like a vendición of sorts. I usually do like a form of self-care or like a tip of sorts. And so I was wondering if you had any kind of tip or like advice that you don't want to give people as a form of self-care or just something that they could reflect on.
2: Yeah, yeah, this is big. I know there's a lot of people out there that maybe, you know, don't want to follow the news. And I totally understand that. I used to have freaking anxiety attacks in the past when I was like a college student and I was like I just felt like I couldn't deal with it but what I I would say I guess to the younger me and to other people out there is you know take care of yourself first and foremost in the morning don't open your twitter I know this sounds really like counter counterintuitive actually going to what I was gonna say but no yeah don't open your twitter first thing in the morning to read you know your president's tweets and and all the outrage that you can see out there, and you know it can be it can be um, emotionally uh, tiring. First thing in the morning, take care of yourself first. Get your get your cup of coffee. Pray, meditate. Um, just you know, go on that path. Continue on that path of you know lo- loving yourself and taking care of yourself. And then, in the moment is good you know you go on that twitter you go on those news outlets you read everything you see everything <laughs> and then when you're mentally awake and prepared for it so you don't feel overwhelmed and it's like no okay now is the time i do this you get informed and then you know if if, if you're inspired by this you, you continue you, your journey in different ways and using the information that you have
0: yeah no yeah i think that's very valuable on like i remember Certain news days, like oh yeah, I remember that day very well. I remember when DACA was like rescinded. I totally remember that day because one of the first things I did that morning Mm -hmm. was check Twitter, and it just you know ruined the rest of my day in terms of my mood. You know, like I just couldn't feel any like sense of I woke up this morning and I felt good. You know, like there was no point in my day that I could look back on of like. Or at least I took a nice shower today. Like, no, I can't even do that because <laughs> before yeah. I showered, I was on Twitter. And, you know, like, just all of these things were associated with, like, looking back on the news day. And so I think it's very important, like you said, to take your moment and, like, prepare yourself for news because sometimes it's going to yeah, be a Yeah, sometimes day. it
2: is. And sometimes, you know, it can also empower yourself. It's also, it all depends on your state of mind. And in, in order for, for it not to be, for you to become anxious or depressed, or you know, like, oh, I'm never gonna read the news again, <laughs> kind of stuff. You know, just make me mad or sad. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, it's uh, the mental state I think when when you when you first uh, go on this, and you'll see that once. Um, it's also advice to myself actually that I should <laughs> stop 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 checking Twitter first thing in the morning as well, because I know it is a difference when 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 I do that a little bit later. You know, after my cup of coffee, calmer. And I'm like, okay, I'm ready to, like, take on this world and, and do stuff, you know?
0: Yeah. No, yeah, I think that's very valuable. And thank you so much for that. I feel like hopefully folks will be able to apply that to their lives a bit just because I, I know that other folks feel that a lot of the time. Social media exhaustion mm-hmm. is it's very real. Alright, my self-care tip is be aware of your mortality, <laughs> people. <laughs> not, not not like <laughs> not like in an intense way, but like be aware of like your physical like limits. Uh, I am sick, yeah. so I am very aware of where I am right now. So I am just like, you know what? No, take the time, care for yourself, all of that good stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. very much looking forward to that. And so even if you're not physically sick take the time for that look forward to it you know take a little moment to like you know what i know that when i drink a cup of tea i feel really good and i sleep really well even when you're not sick why keep
2: it for when you're sick
0: (laughs) (laughs) do it yeah it's always a good idea always and so that's more of what i want to encourage folks to do like you know, I understand that you're going about your day and capitalism really won't let us have that moment of chill. And I know that it's hard to do something or, like, re-engage with your authentic self after you've been uh, your for so long. But try to, like, yeah, try to find that moment of just, you know what, no, this is my moment for myself. And what I really want to do right now is just, you know, drink some tea or like put on a face mask or put on a good movie put on a good album that i haven't listened to and just experience the the joy of like physical sensation in terms of like what you taste what you see what you smell what you hear just like really enjoy the senses
2: yeah really feeling all that nice good (laughs) tip
0: <laughs> yeah. now that I'm like I can't breathe <laughs> I'm like ah. <laughs> I yeah, love that, the sense the of snow <laughs> <laughs> yeah but no but thank you so much Melissa I really enjoyed this interview and thank you again for taking thank the time you. To talk thank to you thank you Sam
2: it was been great talking to you and uh, I'm looking forward to connect with people
0: yes um is there any plugins you would like to do either for social media or your newsletter or any other work um that yeah
2: you do? so I think like the st- Finding me or just talking to me, saying hi, is through Twitter. After your cup of coffee or tea in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> so it's just um, Melissa Vida uh, on Twitter. I think you can find me pretty easily, and yeah, looking forward to connecting with you guys, girls, and folks.
0: Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, Melissa. Ah, I really hope y'all enjoyed this episode. It was a pleasure having Melissa here with us, and. Yeah, hope y'all stay safe and enjoy the rest of your days or nights or whatever it is, wherever you are.